tonight I want us to share uh, on this message called a prisoner and we shall read in the book of Philemon Philemon is the book just before Hebrews just the first line of the first verse. And uh, we shall just have a word of prayer again. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to commit ourselves to thee again. We pray that the Holy Spirit shall just take over. There in the beginning, you, you, it was in your great plan of salvation. You, were, you determined that you will use earthen vessels to carry your word. To carry your glory. Your glory was hidden behind badger skins. An animal that was unclean. And it has been your plan to do that. So we'll pray that you'll come be from behind this unclean vessel and let your glory be seen. We pray that your grace shall be with us and your power shall be but shall be demonstrated in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord add blessings. We can be seated. So, and I want to speak on a prisoner. Now, when Paul was writing this, this letter from he was writing it from a prison. Physically, he was in a prison. And he was in bonds. But he was not really speaking about his physical condition as a prisoner. Because that cannot be. Because as, as you see, he is saying it is he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So that was not a prison for Jesus Christ. It was a it was a it was a prisoner. It was a, a, a prisoner in a place called Philip. Philip uh, Philip is it what? It was a Philippian jail. Philippi. Philippi. Philippi was the was the name of the town. So, when he was not talking about that physical condition. He was talking about his being a prisoner, how Christ had put him in a prison. And that's, that's the kind of prison that we want to look at. Now, human beings, man was created by God as a free creature. Let's put it that way. You are created free. But human beings 
try to imprison others. And sometimes they, they make very strong prisons. But because man was made to be free, once he is put in a prison, he looks for ways of freeing himself. And I don't believe there is any prison in this world where people have not escaped. Of course, there are some who, who agree to stay in that prison and they give up the fight. Then they are held in that prison. But where there is a will to be free, However, however many guards you put to, to imprison people, always, there is always somebody who escapes from there. Showing that you cannot imprison people. Then, because man was, more, was made to be free. Now, if we can also just chip in something there, and apply in the spiritual sense. Eh? Now, we have seen Satan putting people in various kinds of prisons. And they stay there. And some of those prisons are very, very strong. You find somebody bound by the spirit of adultery. So powerful. Maybe generations on generations of, of adulterers. Maybe drunkards. Or drug, drug users. Eh? And they are so deep in it. There is no prison that the enemy has put people in. That somebody has not escaped from that. If you want to be free, you will always be free. And I don't care what weakness you have. I don't care how Satan has bound you. But if you want to be free, you will be free. Because man was not made to be bound. They are made to be free. Now, um, I hope you will not, uh, uh, this will not sound sacrilegious. But let me put it this way. Yeah, I'm, I'm, putting, I'm doing this just to make a point. Uh, you may have laws that are very strong that bind people. If people don't want to follow those laws, they just won't. Right? We find sometimes, even in the church, you find some people trying to, some church administrations, eh? trying to put laws that are so strong and so powerful. And with a lot of threats. Now, it's not the, the way in which you threaten people. 
That will make them follow the laws of the church. And it doesn't matter. When you do that, you just deceive yourselves that people are following them. But they break them. Now, and this is the part that I, I said, I thought, I think, I, I hope you won't take them to be, take it to be sacrilegious. But there was a time that even God himself he gave people the law. And the way the law was given was through a lot of threats. They were given in a very scary atmosphere. When the law was given, the law of Moses, to begin with, God God told them to come around the mountain but he put a boundary and he told the people that, you, that, that they should just go come so near, so far and if anybody passes through there that person was were to die. But even if an animal passes through there, it, it had to be shot with an arrow or a dart. Now, and they prepared themselves, they prepared themselves for three days. Now, when God came down and he was coming to give his laws, the, 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 the process started with some noise. As he was coming down, the noise was so scary that people even ran away so far from that boundary. See, and there was smoke. There was thick darkness. And the sound of a trumpet that was so scary until the people told Moses let not, go, let not God speak anymore otherwise we are going to die See? let him just speak to you and then we shall hear then they saw Moses going into that thick darkness that they were so scared of. And he came with the laws. And when, so the, when the law was given, they knew they had, those laws had come from a very, very scary being. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses was telling them that if you don't follow these laws, see, that you must not turn from these laws from the right or to the left. You shall not add anything to it. Or remove or, or Remove anything. 
And then he gave them a, a series of threats. Punishments that would be given. And if you, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, the punishments were so severe. He would tell them, if you don't do this, I'll do this to you. If after doing that to you, still you don't hear me, the punishment would be added. Until the last punishment was that they would eat their own children. That the best person among you, the one who is most delicate among you, he would eat, he would take their own children and slaughter them. Right? Now, and if with, and with, but with all those threats, people still broke those laws. See? They broke them. They despised them. In such a way that if you read in the book of I think the book of Chronicles. There was a time that one king, one Russia's king, tried to suggest to people that they would stop worshipping idols and turn to Jehovah. And they laughed at him. They completely broke the laws of God. So it's not... It's not the, the, the strength with which the laws are given. It is not the clarity with which they are given. But the thing is that you cannot bind people. If people want to break the laws, it doesn't matter what you do. They will break them. Now, the only way that you can make people a prisoner is if you are able to convince them. If you are able to convince them that this thing is good, this prison is good for you, and they using that free moral agency. Using their, their power of choice. They voluntarily uh, subject themselves to that yoke. Or that Others, it, there is no way of, of, of making them follow the laws. Now, and that is what Satan does. Even Satan himself, he cannot, however people think he is powerful, but he cannot bind people. He cannot force them to do what they don't want to do. What he does is that he deceives them. They think that 
following him. That doing what they do, they somehow think it is useful to them. And then they do them. That's when you see somebody bound by a certain weakness. It's not Satan that forces them to do it. Satan has deceived their hearts. And they voluntarily subject themselves to the devil. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In fact, the prophet said that it is harder to go to hell than going to heaven. Right? It is harder to go to... It's, Satan is harder... It is harder for the enemy... It's only that the enemy convinces people so deeply. You find somebody has a, a, a habit that they are having. They will hear sermon after sermon. They will hear warning after warning. But the deception is so deep. See? That the sermons don't manage to convince them. That's why you find people coming from the, the, the seats in the church. They come from the presence of God himself and go to fornicate. Or stealing or something. They are bound by that prison. And we are not able to persuade them. Now, the only way that you can be able to get them uh, to, be, to, be, to serve Christ it's not by threatening it's not by laying down the laws but the process is well described in the book of uh, Acts 20, 26 I want us to check, check there Acts 26 and verse 18 26. Yes, in verse 18. Now, uh, it is Paul who was describing his, uh, his calling or his commission. What Jesus sent him to do. And he uses these words. To open their eyes. Uh, if we start from verse 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles and to whom I now send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, inherit and an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. Nganguonya mubantu nemba mawanga nzijenkutuma okuzibula masoga we bachuko kuva mchizikiza baderi omusana no kuvambuyinza bwa sitani baderi katonda balyokeba wewe okujibwa ke bibi 
Are you with me? Now, Jesus said, I think it's in the book of Matthew chapter, chapter 11. He said, take, take my yoke upon you and ye shall find rest into your souls. Now, and he sent Paul for now, that purpose. Now, if you look at the words that he, he, he used to give Paul his commission, he said that I'm sending you one to open their eyes. If you don't open their eyes that they can see the deception of the devil, there is nothing that you'll do to turn them from the power of Satan. So if you want to free anybody from any prison, you have to open their eyes. They have to see that they are being deceived. They have to be convicted that this thing that I'm doing is actually wrong. But you cannot scare them from, from doing it. They'll just pretend before you. Make you think they are doing it. But then they won't do it. So that's the first thing. To so convince them. To open their eyes. And then he says. Turn them from darkness to light. So that the works of darkness. They voluntarily turn from them. Once their eyes are open. And then they will be turned from the power of Satan unto God. And then, so that they can receive forgiveness of their sins. And an inheritance. Then they are given an inheritance. That's the only way they can be free. They, they can be free from the, the yoke of Satan. And then come to God. But even if you preach until, until they fall down under the power of the Spirit, they will come from there and they will go and sin. Now, they must, and the only way that we can serve God is vol voluntarily turning away from the yoke of Satan. Having our eyes open and we voluntarily make ourselves prisoners Now, when you look at the way Paul who calls himself a prisoner of Christ, and you look at the way he did it, the way he became a prisoner, I, want, I just want us to examine it, uh, the way he became, the process in which he became a prisoner. Now, first, and I'll justify it first. Now, you see, Paul, 
The Bible tells us Bible that the way Paul became a Christian started serving God is a pattern for all people who are going to believe after him. Is that right? If you read 1 Timothy chapter 1 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. Timothy Baru Esoka Esure How be it for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might shew forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Okay. So the pattern in which he became a Christian was the way in which everyone who would come to, to Christ, they would become a Christian. So he was an, he was an example. Right. Now, then we find that Paul, he, he, started, he started off as, uh, as a prisoner of the Pharisaic religion. Paul was not just a sinner, but he had his, the religion that he was in, the Pharisaic religion, he, he believed it so much, and he had reasons for doing it. First of all, just like we have seen, when God was when God was giving is was calling out Israel as a church. He didn't just come to them just with words. But he appeared to them in a pillar of fire. They knew he was a living God. He called their prophet Moses. Out of a burning bush. And um, and he, when he was giving them his laws, it was, it was, they were being given through a living process. They could see there was a living God. He did not, it, now, like, if you, what I mean, like the religions of the world today, if you die, because of desecrating, Islam, Islam, they would have to kill you themselves. You get me? There is nothing living there. They fight for their gods. See? With knives, with bombs, no with guns, with everything. everything. They have to fight for him. 
But he cannot fight for himself. But the religion of the Jews was not like that. If you go there desecrating the temple, the power of God himself will kill you. See? Now, and Paul knew that. All the religions of the world, they didn't have a living God. You remember like in the time of uh, Gideon, when Gideon, when God told Gideon to go and destroy the gods that the Midianites had, had brought into Israel. Now, when Gideon did so, they wanted to kill him. Then the father of Gideon told them, No, if Baal is God, let him fight for himself. There was no religion in the world whose God could fight for himself except the Jewish religion. And that is what Paul held. There was a living God there in the temple. When you enter the temple in the Holy of Holies, there was a supernatural light that was coming from the Kerub and overshadowing the mercy That is the place where they put the rod of Aaron. And it became alive overnight. See, it, became, it, it, it became alive. It developed a skin, developed leaves, developed flowers, fruits, and some of the fruits ripened. It was a living religion. And Paul, when he was Saul, he had given himself fully to that religion. And he was saying that he was far above his equals in, in, the in the way in which he was serving God. Right? Then, until when he saw that Christianity was making thousands of converts from that religion, now he became physical. He had to fight it. Then as he was, when he obtained the letters to go and and, um, and capture those people and destroy that sect. Then, the same pillar of fire that he was fighting for, it met him. He knew that this is what he is fighting for. And it struck him down. And it asked him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Nagamba. See? And he asked him, Who are you? And he said, I am Jesus. That you are persecuting. <laughs> now, when it called itself Jesus, it completely, it completely confused him. 
And the only thing he could say is, What shall I do? And he said, Go go to Damascus. I've sent my servant there. He's going to pray for you. See? Then he, he was prayed for. His eyes came open. But he never preached. Because he was confused. He could, not, he could not preach something that he doesn't know. He doesn't understand. He knew this is the pillar of fire. He knew this is the one I've been serving. But now completely contrary to what I know. And the Bible says that he went to the deserts of Arabia. And he stayed there for three years. Studying the scriptures. How, how that pillar of fire. That was with Moses. That gave the laws. How it turned into Jesus. He started that process. Until he understood it. Now when he came from there, he understood that this is God. This is the one that appeared to Moses. He understood about the sacrifice. He understood about all things about their religion. From there he gave himself fully and he became a prisoner. See? And my brother, my sister, if you have never met anything that can convince you like that, it does not matter how much you will try to force yourself. You will never completely surrender yourself to it. That is why you see people in the church. They will emotionally follow the principles that we stand for. But with, a, with, with just a little trial, they lay the principles down. Okay. They, they do not have a, a, a conviction that is strong enough. Let me tell you. You should have a religion you should be following this message you should be following this course so convinced that it is right that even if your pastor himself comes and tells you that he has realized that what he is teaching you has been wrong you have made your stand. See? God wants people. Jesus wants people who are so convinced with what they are doing. 
such that they do not need to be convinced. They, they themselves become the teachers. Because they are witnesses. See? Now, from there you could not convince Paul. He was con completely given. Now, can you give me that, that message of Paul, a prisoner? Uh, I think it's 63 somewhere. Get me paragraph 98. Okay. Maybe well, when they get it, we'll come back to it. But I hope you get, I hope you get the, the hang of it because, I, because, because yeah. I want to go to some, another example. Is that the way Paul became a prisoner is in a way of voluntarily giving himself to it. It was not a forcing. It was not anything. But he was imprisoned so deeply that there was nothing that could shake him from it. And, and he became a pillar of it. Now, and Brother Branham says, Oh, tonight, if we as the Branham Tabernacle could only become prisoners to our own selfish being to our own ambition <coughs> that we could completely surrender ourselves and be yoked to him no matter what the rest of the world thinks what the rest of the world does we are yoked with fetters of love we are prisoners my feet is so yoked to Christ it won't dance my eyes is so yoked to Christ. Till when I see these modern striptease on the street, it turns my head. My heart is so yoked in love to Him. Till I can't have love for this world anymore. My will is so yoked to Him. Till I don't even know what my ambitions are. Just wherever you lead, I'll follow Lord. I'll be a prisoner. He was so yoked to Christ that even in the course of his ministry, he could not make plans of his own. There is one time that he, he that a certain demon-possessed girl was following them. Now, he had power to cast that spirit out. But he waited until he got that nod from God. See? He could not go where he wanted to go. 
If an opportunity comes up to do something, he didn't just jump to it. He followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. That is how he was to God. And the prophet says that we, as the Branham Tabernacle, as a church, if each of us becomes so much in prison to Christ, until we don't even have a will of our own, an ambition of our own, that's what God wants to do. Now, can you give me the same message? Uh, if we give, give us paragraph 116 and 116. It says, God is looking for prisoners. He has always done it. You might search it through the scripture. A man has to be a prisoner to Christ against anything. Therefore, you cannot be connected with anything but Christ. Even your father, your brother, your mother, your sister, husband, anybody, you are only connected with Christ and him only. And then God can use you. Until then, you can't. God only uses prisoners. You know, let me tell you. The reason why people are put in prison is because they have not been able, they have not developed a sense of, of being under legitimate authority. Now in this world, Munseno, there are there are authorities that are legitimate. I mean, if you go out there now and you find a man with an expensive suit looking like a very important government official or something. And he calls you with authority to send you somewhere. No matter how he looks, you have, a, you have a right to ask him, and who are you? Because it might not be a legitimate authority. But there are some people that God has put in this world and it's legitimate authority. It's authority that you should, you should obey. <laughs> right? Now, and we all recognize that. See, and there are some people when they are growing up they have not yet developed that sense of putting themselves under legitimate authority. They don't know where they should defy where they should refuse to obey and when they have to obey. 
So even things, even authorities that are legitimate. They have no sense putting themselves under. Same. So like, that, like if they are employed somewhere, they have no respect for the laws. They look at the, the laws of the place of work as if it is that kind of man that I described. So they defy everything. Now there was a time I was preaching about that. Trying to define what is legitimate. I don't want to go into that. But you know, you know just to give you an example, if you are in school, you, would, you dare not obey the law, disobey the laws of the school. You dare not disobey the laws of the government. Because that's, that's legitimate authority. Parents are legitimate authority. And various others, other laws. Even, even in church, the pastor is legitimate authority. Is that right? Yes, there is a government in the church. And it does not, I mean, it's not that the, the it's not that the, 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 the ASAP authority but God recognizes it. See? My, my wife was giving a, There was a time that we had some issues in church. And my wife was giving a, you know, just giving a testimony. To, to, to point that po point across, to support that point. And she was giving a testimony how she was sick. And she went, she, she, she could not be able to stay in church. Because she was really suffering. So she went out in the grass and lay down in the grass somewhere. Then a deacon came with a with a rough looking voice or look on the face and he commanded her get, in, get back to church now and she said if this deacon understood how she was feeling if she explained and he believed her he would have let her lay down there but a voice told her just obey and she, obe she obediently Na left gonda. where she was. Na weyari. When she was going back to church, mukanisa, all the sickness went away. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are some people, they have not learned how to obey. They think that obey obedience is, is slavery. So they are used to defy. Those are the people who are put in prison. Because when you are put in prison, now, I, I, I mean, the way things go, in the justice system of the world, the, the lawyers are the judges who are trained to put these people in prisons. Now, prison is a bad word. 
They should decode correctional institutions. What they tell us is that when you find that somebody has that kind of a problem, they should be given not less than three years in prison. So that they don't go to sleep when they want to go to sleep. They, they don't wear the kind of clothes they want to wear. They don't eat what they prefer eating. They don't walk the way they want to walk. They are for three years, they function by commandment until they learn how to obey. <laughs> and now God, he wants people to teach people how to obey. That's why Jesus said, put my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke is a very heavy piece of wood that is put on animals to be able to control them. See? Now, what I'm saying is this, that although it's heavy and it's controlling, you, but it, it is voluntary, you are free. Inside your makeup is free. But you voluntarily put yourself in this yoke. And once the yoke is there, then you cannot do what you want to do. Because Sometimes even your desires they are not like his. But as long as you know what he wants that becomes your your commandment. That's what you do. In other words, you lose your, even your ambitions. You can't think but you wear his mind. Sometimes you do things that don't even make sense to you. There's a story that I was told once. Eh? What was story of a man? He was doing Mount, is it Mount Neary? He was climbing mountains. mountains. And you know, sometimes the, the, the face of the, the, the mountain is so steep. It's like climbing this wall. So what they do, because it's very dangerous, they have strong ropes that they bind on their waist. And as they climb, they look for a place where they hook. They, they tie that thing eh? a rope as they go up if they happen to sleep and fall that rope would, fall, would hold them so that they don't drop all the way down to their death then when they reach the end of the rope they have been trained in a way of, 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 
unhooking it and continuing the climb. So the story was that this man, as he was climbing, he slipped and fell. Now when he fell, the rope held him. But it was near evening and it started getting very cold. He could not, he could not find the, the mountain face so that, you know, so that he, can, he can continue, he can free himself. He, he was suspended in the air. And as he was there now, it started getting cold. And he knew that he would freeze to death. Then the story is that he started praying. Then God told him, just untie the rope. And then you let yourself to fall. <laughs> but he refused. He said, no, 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 that can't, that can't be God. So he stayed there. He, stayed there. he became so cold. Until he survived the night. But by the morning, he was almost confused. With, he was losing consciousness. But when it became light enough to see, from the face of the of the of the mountain like that, when he was when he was when he was falling, it had, he had turned to another face, and he found that he was two feet from a very good landing. See? So. Sometimes you are better judgment. You know, you are better. You are, if you serve God using your mind, and using your best judgment, using your best judgment. However good your judgment is and however good intention you have you will find that you are out of the will of God blessed be the name of the Lord you lose even your ambition you cannot calculate you cannot plan. You just have the leading of the spirit. And sometimes it goes bet, it goes beyond your better judgment. And that's what happened to Paul. He may have thought that if he casts out this demon. It will give God glory. But God told him, no. Leave the demon alone. <laughs> God knows best. See? When I was coming, 
So several times I saw people who are lame, blind, there's a place where he got a blind man and I was feeling pity for them. So I passed a woman, she was lame, she her limbs were just twisted like this. Both hands and legs. Then I was thinking, now, if I had the power, I would, I would heal her. Make her walk. Get to another one. He has has no hands. He's a young man. See, if I was able, I would give him hands. See? Now, then I was thinking, now, God who has all the ability, but he has allowed it that way. If me, being evil, can feel feel pity for these people, and I'm evil, what about God? Then why doesn't he do it? Why doesn't he do it? That's his wisdom. See? Like I have said, in one, I said that in one funeral, I can't remember who it was, but you see, if you are given the wisdom, or rather, if you are given the responsibility of bringing people to the earth and removing them, I wonder what kind of a world you'd be able to make. What kind of people would you want? Those kind of decisions. Because when a baby is being born, there are millions and millions of choices. You understand what I mean? Yeah. See? The egg and the sperm. There are millions of choices. And the prophet was saying, the prophet was saying, the natural birth is more mysterious than the virgin birth. Why does, why does God choose to bring you on earth? He knew you would be here. Give you the height that you have. Color of skin that you have. He even gives you the level of temper that you have. That's his choice. That's his He brings people on earth. Brought me on earth. You on earth. So, being that, and he knows when to take people from the earth. Some are removed when they are just five minutes. Others are removed when they are 120. And it doesn't matter whether they are good or bad. You find bad people living for 120 years. 
and good people dying when they are five years old. That's God's wisdom. See? So, what I'm trying to say is this. Why wouldn't we as Christians as believers just let ourselves in his hands like that? And just where he is driving us, we just follow. See? Now, let's look at Moses. Moses was born a deliverer. He was born a gifted child. See? With so much ability. See? He was born an achiever. By the age of 40 years, he was the greatest general of the greatest armed forces in the world. In other words, it's like he had conquered the world. And was going to be the next pharaoh. He had the, the abilities to deliver. And not only had he the ability, but he also had the calling. He was raised for that purpose. Having the gifts, having the ability, and called by God for that purpose. But he was not a prisoner. He was doing it out of his own desires. The way he calculates, he does it. And he, he actually tried. At the age of 40 years, he tried. He saw an Egyptian molesting an Israelite. And he, was, he had been called. He had been raised. He had been equipped to defend the Israelites. So using his ambition, he took the Egyptian and twisted his neck like a chicken. But his efforts were a great failure. He had to run away for his life. Because you cannot serve God like that. Not with your power, not with your might, not with your ideas. And for 40 years, his failure plagued him. See? Completely defeated. 40 years. For 40 years, he never even tried again. And even when the pillar of fire came out to him and tried to send him, he was refusing. 
until God himself persuaded him, showed him, taught him, promised him, until he voluntarily now surrendered himself to him. And he came, he went to Egypt completely under the control of that pillar of fire. <laughs> And look at what he achieved in Egypt. What he tried to achieve 40 years before. Look at how efficiently he, he, he did the task in Egypt When he was a prisoner under the yoke of the pillar of fire. No ambition no ambition, not trusting in any abilities, but under control of the pillar of He went to Egypt. He destroyed Egypt. Destroyed their animals, destroyed their crops. Until he destroyed the whole of the economy. Then, I want you to look at what happened in the Red Sea. When now he was destroying the armed forces. With whom he had conquered the world. It was the, it was the most powerful army in the world. So, and look at what God did. He put that army. He made them chase the Israelites. Who are helpless. And they were hemmed between the Red Sea. And there were mountains on this side. Mountains on this side. And the army of Egypt was behind. Now probably. If that army was just in its ordinary, you know, mood, they would have thought better. They would have known those generals would have known better than follow Israel in the Red Sea. Some a situation they were not understanding. There's a wall of water on this side. Wall of water on this side. And it was not a simple wall. It was a wall that was many times higher than this wall of yours here. How could they follow the Israelites in that, in that situation? And they don't understand it. These were generals. They knew better than that. But you know what happened? The previous night, each of those Soldiers, they had lost a firstborn. <laughs> firstborn of man, cows, every, all the animals. So they were so angry. God made them angry enough until they are insane with, with, with anger. 
until they followed Israel. Trying to, trying to fight forces they don't understand. Let me ask you. How could Moses plan things that way? Can't make such a plan. That was a plan by God himself. And many times, God puts us in situations. You don't know why. The, the situation seems so bad. And you are suffering. It seems unfair. But you know God is with you. You know that before I reached here, I was walking with God. Try to look at your footsteps. Did I disobey God? No. Did I pray? Yes. Did I pray hypocritically? No. So God led me here. But things seem so bad. Like Israel when they were in the, in, just besides the Red Sea. With a furious army. And it seems like you have made a mistake. God makes no mistake. We cannot use our own mind. We have to be led. But to be able to be led. Because of the forces of this world. And our own intelligence. See? The only thing that can help us is if God gives us grace so that we become prisoners. We submit ourselves. You say, God lead me. I don't want to use my ideas. I don't want to use my wisdom. I don't want to use my reasoning. Even what seems to be rash to be the will of God to me. I cannot reason. Are you getting me? Sometimes you use like that one of Paul and uh, casting out that demon. In, in, that in our religious understanding of God's ways. We think that it would be better for that girl to be healed. But we have to wait. See? You have to wait. There was a sister. What was sister? She was called Sister Butazi. An Italian name. She, she had a problem. You know, she was sick. She was feeling like she's going crazy. She was so miserable. Just a nervous condition. She told she went to Brother Branham. And Brother Branham told her, Now you'll get better. But not it will not, it will take about two years. 
Between 18 months and 2 years in between there that's when this condition will go. Was it God's will to heal her? Yes. But let it wait. In between, you are going to suffer. She suffered. She suffered. But God had put her healing. Now, when it came, it was 18 months to the dot. <laughs> See, she was riding in the car and the Holy Spirit flooded in her soul with such joy, such a great burst of joy that she even stopped the car. I think she ran around. And that problem left her. But God kept it there for 18 months. So, I don't, care. I don't know what condition you may be in. But the thing is, if, if you are in God's hands, you know you have not done anything wrong. God is, God is leading you. God is keeping you. God knows about it. He knows where he is going. And he knows what he is going to do about it. The only thing is that we put ourselves as prisoners. Now, my point is Moses he could not make the plans as a general, as a deliverer. Although he was equipped when he was given the job if he, if he drew the plans himself, this Bible would not be written. I don't know how things would go. And in our lives, are you with me? We are now here. We are in this phase of the Bible. We are the people that Jesus talked about that would welcome him. We are the servants that he talked about that were given the talents. We are the 11th hour workers. We are the people that Jesus asked when the Son of Man comes on earth, will he find faith? He was not talking about the saints who have died. Those ones had faith in their day. He was talking about us. He was looking at us. See? And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, we, the, the, the whole of heavens and earth is looking at us. And I'm convinced that in the, in the, next, the, the, the next phase 
the next stage that the church is getting into the next stage of prophecy this next phase of the coming of the Lord there is no way that we can go on we cannot cross that using our own minds God has to have prisoners. You cannot be you cannot be threatened into it. That will not work. There is no law we can put here. We cannot have enough deacons. Even if we assigned a deacon for every human, every believer here. That would be following them in their homes every day. Things will not work. It is if every believer if God would open every eye, everybody turns from the power of Satan that binds them into, into some hypocrisy. And everybody turns away from darkness. And put their necks, put their necks under the yoke of Christ. They voluntarily become prisoners of the Lord. That's when this church will see the glory of God. That's when it will be ready to welcome Jesus Christ. That's when it will have an inheritance. Because the face that we are going into is so glorious to the people who have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. It is so glorious the portion that God has for us is so great that the prophets the holy men they desired to see these days. But they didn't. God, the Bible says, God having kept a better thing for us. That's our inheritance. In these last days. But it's not possible. We shall not partake of it. Unless we become prisoners. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May God have mercy upon us. And in our hearts, we completely surrender unto him and to his will until we have no will of our own. Now the prophet was saying, 
I'm just remembering it now. Where he said, Are you with me? I'm finishing. He said that he, you start with the small things. Right? You start with the small things. Like coming to church, dressing right, attending meetings. God wants to, he tests us in the small, small things first. If we are obedient in those small things, he gives us the bigger things. If you are failing in the small things, you won't go to the bigger things. If you are still having some habits that, that are not pleasing to him, how does he expect to, how do you expect him to give you a ministry to handle? He looks at the small things first. If you are obedient in those, if you yoke yourself to Christ in that, being faithful, no, at home, husbands with wives, you, do, you treat your family the way God expects you to do. Not doing your own will. Not following your preferences. See? But you start there. You children. You obey your parents. That's, that's legitimate authority. Wives obeying their husbands. Just like the Lord. God starts there. Are you a prisoner to Christ? When you are faithful there, doing the will of God, not saying, oh, me, I like things this way. She knows the way I like things. Uh -huh. You have no ambitions of your own. It is Christ. Start with the physical things. Then God will give you a ministry.